Of all the gifts God ever gave, there's one above all others. He never gave us quite so much as when he gave us mothers. Of all the prizes that we won, there's one we love forever. The gift we know as mother's love, no power on earth can sever. Of all the treasures that we have, there's one we hold more dearly. Next to our precious Savior's love, we love her most sincerely. O God above, we thank Thee for the mothers of all nations. Protect them with Thy steady hand and give to them Your salvation. Today is the most blessed of days when we give honor unto whom honor is due in which we prop up the most noble office on planet Earth. It's a day when church attendance spikes. It's a day when restaurants overflow with crowds. It's a day when cemeteries bloom with an abundance of bouquets. And it's a day when enough tears are shed to quench a raging forest fire. It's Mother's Day. We honor mothers today. May I just pause and say, we should honor mothers every day. Amen. We learn so much from our mothers. I'm going to continue a list that Pastor Donald started during the Mother's Day brunch. Mothers teach us to pray. You better pray that will come out of the carpet. <laughs> mothers teach us about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. <laughs> Mothers teach us about foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. How many mothers ever said that? I'm telling you, that's a, a weird statement. Mothers teach us about irony. Keep crying, and I'll give you something to cry about. Mothers teach us about contortionism. Will you look at that dirt on the back of your neck? Mothers teach us about the weather. This room of yours looks like a tornado went through it. Mothers teach us about envy. There are millions of less fortunate children in this world who don't have wonderful parents like you do. <laughs> Mothers teach us about anticipation. Just wait till we get home. Mothers teach us about receiving. You're going to get it when we get home. Mothers teach us about humor. When the lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come running to me. Mothers teach us about wisdom. When you get to be my age, you'll understand. Mothers teach us about justice. One day you'll have kids, and they hope they're just like you. <laughs> Some of you may not be familiar with the stages of motherhood through the eyes of a child. Four years old, my mommy can do anything. Eight years old, my mommy sure knows a lot. Twelve years old, my mother doesn't really quite know everything. Fourteen years old, naturally mother doesn't know that either. Sixteen years old, mother... She's hopelessly old-fashioned. 18 years old, that old woman, she's way out of date. 25 years old, well, 
she might know a little bit more about it. 35 years old. Before we decide, let's get mom's opinion. 45 years old. Wonder what mom would have thought about it. 65 years old. Wish I could talk it over with mom. You know, we're living in an ever-changing and quickly morally deteriorating world. Amen? And as sure as there is the certainty of death and taxes and the American appeal of hot dogs, apple pie, and the flag, the importance of a godly mother cannot possibly be overstated or overemphasized. Today's Mother's Day message is entitled, The Mother of Boaz. I realize that today many preachers are preaching out of Proverbs 31. Maybe they're preaching about Hannah, that great mother in the Old Testament, perhaps uh, Sarah. I have a, a bit of a different message today that I hope will be an encouragement to you. You see, if you look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5, we read about, it says, And Salmon begat Boaz of Rechab. Rechab. We learn a lot about Rechab in the Old Testament. Her name is Rahab. The New Testament, in, in the hall of faith, in that place where God chose to record just a few names for us, the Bible says, And by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. I want to, I think I have five, six points and I'll have some sub points, Brother Hendershot, just for you today. Amen. I want you to notice, number one, the past of a mother. The past of a mother. It says there in Hebrews 11.31, by faith, the harlot Rahab. Rahab became the mother of Boaz later in life, but before that, the Bible calls her a harlot five times. The liberals and the modernists, the Bible correctors, have attempted to refer to uh, Rahab as an innkeeper or running a boarding house. And while this was certainly part, such was not all of it, what the Bible says. The Bible says in, in Hebrews 11.31, the harlot Rahab, James 2.25, the harlot Rahab. That word is the word, the Greek word, porni, pornos. It means a strumpet, a harlot, forgive me, a whore. Terrible thought. That word we get there, pornos, we get our word pornography. Ladies and gentlemen, she was not an innkeeper. She ran a brothel where she sold herself to men. One may ask, what, what would cause someone, even in this day, to become a harlot? We support a wonderful missionary, Kyle Joe Hicks, down to Detroit. And I'm going to tell you, Brother Kyle Joe, Brother Joe, they call him, he reaches the prostitutes, he reaches the, the, the down and outers, and he says over and over and over, confirms these points. What would cause someone to become a harlot? Well, sometimes they're far gone and they're not coming back. The Bible talks about in Romans 128, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Proverbs 5 5 says, Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. Proverbs 7:27, her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. So sometimes someone would choose that because they're far gone. 
Can I say sometimes, many times, someone would choose that lifestyle because they forsake guidance. Isn't it amazing how much we know when we're 17 years old? Amen? You have people that try to help you and try to say, watch out for this friend and watch out for that person and sometimes they forsake guidance. I, I think of the prodigal son forsook all the good guidance that the father gave to him. Sometimes they're not only far gone and they forsake guidance, but they forget God. Amen? Proverbs 2.16 says, To deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger with flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. Sometimes they find gratification. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.25 that sin is pleasurable for a season. Proverbs 2.18, her house inclineth unto death, her paths unto the dead. There's pleasure in profit, in whoredom. But however, a woman who engages in that sinful lifestyle choice will suffer at the hands of men. Frequently, women like Rahab are more often sinned against than sinners. You know, it forms guilt Sin by choice soon becomes sin by constraint. They, they don't see any way out of that lifestyle. Jesus himself said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And ladies and gentlemen, the old sermon is still a good one. Sin always costs you more than you wanted to pay. It always takes you further than you wanted to go. And it always keeps you longer than you wanted to stay. Wow. Rahab had a past. She had a past. You know, there's also not only the past of a mother, but there's a, a prelude, if you would. Go back to uh, Joshua chapter 2. I told you to mark that as we were moving along in our Bibles, marking Joshua chapter 2. And uh, there's a prelude that, that kind of starts before she becomes this mother, before. And by the way, it's, there's good news. There's good news. She did have a past. But she went from scarlet to spotless, ladies and gentlemen. You're here today, and you've got a past, and maybe you're embarrassed about it. Listen to me. The story is not over. The prelude is this. In Joshua chapter 2, look at verse 9, and this is the story of the, the spies coming to spy out Jericho. And verse 9 says, And she said unto the men, and they come here to, to Rahab, and she says, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. And that terror, your terror, is fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt. And what ye did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye did utterly destroy. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did they remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven and above. Say, what was the prelude for Rahab? Well, ladies and gentlemen, number one, it was the word of God. It seems pretty obvious that through her dishonorable profession that someone uh, that she had entertained had told her what God did. How God had delivered his people. How God had sent the ten plagues upon Egypt. How God had uh, parted uh, that, that Jordan, amen, coming right around the bend. How God was going to do it. You know, the Bible still says, faith cometh by hearing. 
and hearing by the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.9 says the Word of God is not bound. Not only was there the Word of God, but there was the fear of God. says it right there in, in the text that they were afraid. They, they knew what God had done. The fear of God, the work of conviction before conversion. By the way, it always happens that way, ladies and gentlemen. No conviction, no conversion. If you're here today without Christ and you don't have any uh, desire to be saved and you don't realize you need to be saved, you'll never get saved. I'll tell you, you get under conviction and realize there's a real hell, there's a real heaven, there's a real Jesus who bled and died for you. You'll want to come to Him. There's the Word of God, the fear of God. There's a belief in God. There's a belief in God's power, verses 10 and 11. Talks about it there uh, where, he, where he says uh, in verse 10, he said, We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. They'd heard about the power of God, not only belief in God's power, but belief in his mercy. Look at verse 21. And she said, according unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. They said this, listen, if you don't tell our business, you line, put that scarlet line down. We'll be merciful when we come and destroy Jericho. And listen, she believed in God. She believed in God's power. She believed in God's mercy. So there there was a past of a mother. There was a prelude of a mother. There was a performance of a mother. All before she was a mother, amen. It says there in Hebrews eleven thirty one, By faith the, Rahab, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Her faith in God caused her to receive the spies and hide the spies and then send the spies out and then obey their instructions. See, ladies and gentlemen, true Christian faith, listen to me, always manifests itself in works. Listen to me. So many people get confused. They think, well, James and Paul, they were at odds with it. They were not at odds with each other. Paul said, listen, we are saved in God's eyes by faith alone. Amen. You trust Jesus Christ. You're saved. But the only way that a lost world will know you are saved is by your works. By your works. And Rahab here, she, her performance was that her faith was manifested by her works. Do you know, Rahab not only had a past, the past of a mother and the prelude of a mother and the performance of a mother. You're in Joshua chapter 2. I want you to notice the perjury of a mother. It says in Joshua 2, 3 and 4, and the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come unto thee, which entered into thy house, for they be come to search out the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not where they were. Was that true or false? It's okay, it's not a trick question. Was she telling a lie right here? She was. She was, Okay. And sometimes we get so hung up on that. Would God commend her for lying? No, he wouldn't. He said, thou shalt not commit false witness in Ten Commandments. Is God a God of situational ethics? No. God is not reduced to unholy acts to fulfill his will. 
Untruth cannot be vindicated simply because it is closely tied to the total result. That is what we call situational ethics. That is saying, I want to give a large amount to my church, so I think I'll hold up the bank. That, that's situational ethics. No. That, and, and, and God is not commending Rahab in the hall of faith because of her lie. But, ladies and gentlemen, can we remember something here? This Canaanite harlot just came to faith in God. I suppose you never committed a sin after you got saved. My ear hurts right now. I'm bending it too hard. Amen. As I say often, you visitors from heaven, the only thing holding up your halos is your horns. <clears throat> Amen. No, and we're not justifying uh, th this sin. It, it, it's not that. It's just simply, here's a woman who just came to Christ out of a very wicked lifestyle and made a mistake. She told a lie. So there's the past of a mother. There's the prelude of a mother. There's the performance of a mother. There's the perjury of a mother. There's the prophet of a mother. You're in Joshua chapter 2. Go over to chapter 6, please. <clears throat> the first part of uh, Rahab being rewarded was she was delivered from destruction. I love this part. You remember the story? They came to spy out Jericho. And if you've ever been in Sunday school class, and I know some of you have taught Sunday school class, you talked about how they walked around the walls of Jericho. Amen? They walked around the walls of Jericho. They walked around the walls of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. Amen? All the junior church people right now are like, if I never sing that song again, amen. <laughs> well, what happened there? What happened? Look at verse number 23 of chapter 6. <clears throat> it said, And the young men that were spies went in and brought out who? Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. Jump down to verse 25. And Joshua saved who? Rahab the harlot, alive in her father's household, and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. So she was delivered from destruction. According to verse 25, she was also given a place among the people. Very rare for a Canaanite of that profession, Brother Brown, to be given a place amongst the children of God. But you know what else? She, she not only was delivered from destruction, and she not only uh, had a place amongst the people, but, but she became a giant of grace. And that is Matthew 1.5. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rechab. She married a man named Salmon. And she became a mother. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. She became a mother. She had a son named Boaz who sat on her knee, whom she nursed, who she taught to protect helpless young women. So when Ruth came around, amen, remember the story in Ruth, when Ruth came around, Boaz said, you take care of her, you protected her. My mama taught me how to take care of helpless women. She became a giant of grace in the line of the Messiah. You say, well, I, I've got a scarlet past, and I'm so ashamed of it. You listen to me. 
Rahab in the New Testament is still referred to as Rahab the harlot. But I'm here to tell you she's a giant of grace. In the line of the Messiah, in the hall of faith, I'd have to do my research to see how many people are both of those. Amen? Go go down through Matthew chapter 1 and then go through Hebrews 11 and see. It's a pretty small group. It's a pretty small group, amen? And she was found amongst the faithful. By faith, Rahab perished not. She's in the hall of faith. So there's the past of a mother. There's the prelude of a mother. There's the performance of a mother. There's the perjury of a mother. There's the prophet of a mother. There's the picture for a mother. Rahab is one of the greatest pictures of faith of a sinner in the Old Testament. She believed the awful news of coming wrath. You know, the Bible still says uh, that he that believeth not, the wrath of God abideth on him. That means if you're here today, you've not trusted Christ as your Savior. Listen, God is angry. God has every right to be angry, amen. And so she believed in the awful news of wrath. She knew God's purposes are certain and sure. She realized that God was a great God, able to destroy and able to save. She feared with great terror because of her sinfulness and the coming of judgment. She desired to be saved. She cried for mercy, in which she inclined, or in which she included her family. She took the means appointed by putting the scarlet line out the window. They said, You put that scarlet line out the window and we'll make sure you're not touched. Reminds me of another story in the Bible in Exodus chapter 12, when God said, You take that lamb. And you slay that lamb and you take the blood with hyssop and and put the blood on the doorposts and on the lintel. And it reminds me of another verse in the New Testament that says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. She took the means appointed. She trusted in the oath given to her. And her friends and family took shelter. Mother, you may be a great mother here today, but are you a saved mother? I want to give you lastly this morning the past of a mother, the prelude of a mother, the performance of a mother, the perjury of a mother, the prophet of a mother, the picture for a mother, and the pleas to a mother. And I'm, I'm just going to throw these at you. Moms, be a mom who loves God. Be a mom who loves God. You know how we sh- we, we, uh, our kids see that we love God by our actions. Does your Bible have a place in your life, Mom? Hey, hey, listen, I know. I I remember, I don't don't know about you men and and, uh, even you moms. For me, I need quiet to read my Bible. I have to say this, moms, you seriously impressed me because, you know, Pastor Donald's song about never having quiet. I've watched my wife before, Brother Lolly, have two little boys, one 18 months old and one a month old, have, have one in her arms, the, the one month old, have the 18-year-old in a bouncer and have her Bible right there in front of her reading it. Wow. Is church important in your life? I know it's Mother's Day. Amen? But I'm talking about on a weekly basis, on a bi-weekly basis. Amen? Be a mom who loves God. Be a mom who's devoted to your husband. Be a mom who's devoted to your husband. Nothing will help your children more than you being devoted to that man that gave them to you. Amen, church? Be a mom who prays. 
How precious. How many stories have I heard from people through the years, Miss Judy? They said, I heard my mother praying. I heard my mother praying. Brother Jeff has shared stories about his mom and grandmom about praying, praying for you. Be a mom whose life and lips are always teaching and enforcing the lessons of the Bible. Whose life and lips, both, amen, both. Be a mom who labors in and for the home. Come on, church, help me with that, amen. Boy, we need moms that labor in and for the home. I'm talking about the Christian home. Boy, here's one that's so important. Be a mom who's patient and tender. I know that's not always easy. My wife goes out, and listen, my kids are at the stage right now. Cotty is three, but Eric's going to be nine here in a week, and, and Luke is seven. I mean, they're, they're pretty self-sufficient as far as I remember the days when you had to keep your head was on a swivel. Amen. Where's this one? Where's that one? I'm serious. My wife will go to the grocery store, Miss Hendershot, for two hours, and she'll come back, and I'll say, where have you been? Help us. Yeah, it's the truth. My goodness. And I see you moms. And, and how about this one? Mommy. Mommy, 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 mom, 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 mom. Finally, I look at my wife and go, Mom! Amen. <laughs> she, said, she said to me, she said, honey, it doesn't matter. She said, he's going to keep saying it no matter what. Even if I say yes, honey, he's going to keep saying it. Amen. Be a mom who's patient and tender. Hey, can I give you one? And I know you older moms will give me an amen on this. Be a mom who makes time to laugh and play. Makes time, because you're not going to have any. <laughs> you're not going to have any. Be a mom who makes time to laugh and play. Can I give you something just from my heart? Not only just the Bible, but I, I listen to my wife every night with our kids. Be a mom who reads to your kids. Be a mom who reads to your kids. I, I see my children, and I see their development, and, I, I, boy, I'm just convinced of that. Obviously, the Bible, Bible stories, all that goes back to the point about life and lips. Can I give you one here? This one's not going to be popular in this day and age, but be a mom who's content in her God-given role. God-given role. God-given role. I thank, I thank God for a mom who was content in her God-given role. I thank God for a wife who is content in her God-given role as a mom. My wife, uh, she's downstairs, and I was talking to Evelyn today on the way in, and, and uh, we're just, she's like, I don't know if I know your wife. I said, well, she's in the choir, and then she slips out real quick. And, and uh, my wife and I both worked before we had children, we were 12 years without children, and my wife is just a few credits shy of a bachelor's degree in architecture. She wanted to be an architect all her life. And uh, she was working towards that, going to school, uh, did literally would drive two and a half hours to go to Boston Architectural Center from Marty Schatz Church in Connecticut. It's just, and she was doing that, doing that, doing that. And then we found out we, we had Eric, and you know where all that went? On the back burner. All of it. She said, I'm going to be a mom. 
I'm going to be a mom. Hey, and, and listen, I know you moms too. You're out there, same exact thing. Maybe you had a career uh, in this or that, but I'm going to tell you there's no greater career than being a mom. No greater career. Let me give you the last one, and then I'll, I have just a quick story, and I'm done. Be a mom who redeems, not wishes the time away. Well, I can't wait till they get to be. You better watch out with that, because they'll get to be that real soon. You better watch out with that. Just redeem the time. I took a walk last night. I was so blessed. One of the things I love to do in my neighborhood is I love to take a walk with my children. Usually if I just take one, it works out better. There's no fights. Hallelujah. There's every, everything's, when I take Eric and Luke, everything's a race. Daddy, Daddy, let's race to the next tree. No, no, you go ahead. I'm walking. Amen. But I remember when they were just two of them on tricycles. Now Eric comes up to here. Someday. Someday when the kids are grown, things are going to be a lot different. The garage won't be full of bikes, electric train tracks, plywood, sawhorses, surrounded by chunks of two-by-fours, nails, a hammer, a saw, unfinished experimental projects, and I'll be able to park both cars neatly in just the right places. Someday when the kids are grown, the kitchen will be incredibly neat. The sink will be free of sticky dishes. The garbage disposal won't get choked up on rubber bands and paper cups. The refrigerator won't be clogged with nine bottles of milk. We won't lose the tops to jelly jars and ketchup bottles and the peanut butter. The water jar won't be put back empty. Hallelujah. The ice trays won't be put back empty or left out overnight. Someday when the kids are grown... My lovely wife will actually have time to get dressed leisurely. A long, hot bath without three panic interruptions. Time to do her nails, even toenails if she pleases. Without answering a dozen questions and reviewing spelling words. Having her hair done that afternoon without trying to squeeze it in between racing a sick dog to the vet or a trip to the orthodontist with a kid in a bad mood because she lost something. Someday when the kids are grown, I'll be able to see through the car windows. Hallelujah. <laughs> Fingerprints, tongue licks, sneaker footprints, and dog tracks, nobody knows how, will be conspicuous by their absence. The back seat won't be a disaster area. We won't sit on jacks or crayons anymore. The tank will not always be somewhere between empty and fumes. Someday when the kids are grown, we'll return, we'll return to normal conversations. You know, just plain American talk. Gross won't punctuate every sentence. Yuck will not be heard. Hurry up, I gotta go will not accompany the banging of fists on the bathroom door. It's my turn won't call for a referee. In a magazine article or a book will be read full without interruption and then discussed at length without mom and dad having to hide in the attic to finish a conversation. Someday when the kids are grown, we won't run out of toilet tissue. My wife won't lose her keys. We won't forget to shut the refrigerator door. I won't have to dream up new ways of diverting attention from the gumball machine leaving Myers.
or have to answer, Daddy, is it a sin that you're driving 47 miles an hour in a 40-mile-an-hour zone? Yes, someday, when the kids are grown, things are going to be a lot different. One by one, they'll leave our nest. And the place will begin to resemble order, and maybe even a touch of elegance. The clink of china and silver will be heard on occasion. The crackling of the fireplace will echo through the hallway. The phone will be strangely silent. The house will be quiet and calm and always clean and empty. And we'll spend our time not looking forward to someday, but looking back at yesterday and thinking maybe we can babysit the grandkids and get some life back in this place for a change. Redeem the time, Mom. It's passing fast. You know, this character Rahab, she started out with a scarlet past, didn't she? But she went from scarlet to spotless through Jesus Christ. You're here today and you've got a past. I want to tell you something. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, your past may be scarlet, but your future is spotless. Be the best mom you can be. Be a godly mom. Amen, church? I mean, be a mom who prays and uh, be devoted to your husband and, and labor in your home and be patient and tender and take time to laugh and play and read to your children and be content in your God-given role and don't wish the time away. Redeem the time. The mother of Boaz, Father, thank you.